Greater Than Zero Percent is a 501c3 nonprofit that's on a mission to share stories of organizations from around the world that are changing lives. We have weekly episodes featuring amazing nonprofits and monthly episodes interviewing top business executives. You can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms. Alrighty, thanks everybody for tuning into this episode. Today we have Nicole Brandt, who is the founder and executive director at Daybreak Arts. Nicole, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so usually before we get into the background of the organization, we like to just get the high-level mission statement. So what is the mission of Daybreak Arts? Yeah, so we are a national-based social enterprise nonprofit, and we provide people experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity an opportunity to create art and access um, artistic mediums and then sell their art to earn income through their creative talent. Wow. All right. I'm really curious as to the how behind all that and some stories that you could share. But before we do, why you? Why is this something that you're extremely passionate about and found this organization? Yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from a really small town in Kentucky, and the narratives told to me about homelessness were pretty stereotypical. Lazy, drug addicts, could get housing, just didn't want to. And so that really kind of shaped and filtered um, my understanding. And my senior year of high school, I got connected with a guy from my church, and he would go to homeless campsites and tents um, in Louisville, Kentucky. So um, I started to go with him. And what was unique is instead of being at a soup kitchen or a shelter, it was an opportunity where I was invited into their space as a guest. And so it kind of flipped those power dynamics that I was used to. And one of the things that was really impactful is that it really challenged those deep stereotypes I had of homelessness. And mm. I was able to build relationships and have conversations had conversations in a in a deeper way. And I learned that you know, there were so many reasons that people experienced homelessness from physical disabilities to mental illness, to loss of security net and support systems, to domestic violence, to human trafficking, to all kinds of different things. And um, that was really, you know, important to me as I realized that those stereotypes that we have in media or in culture were so wrong when I actually started building relationships with people who were unhoused and were living on the streets. And so, I moved to Nashville in 2010 to go to Belmont University, mm -hmm. and I got a work-study job for the Center of Service Learning, and my job was to plan community service projects for Belmont students. And so I knew I wanted to figure out a way to recreate that space I had experienced in Louisville, but I just moved to Nashville, so I didn't know where any homeless camps or tents were, and I also didn't know if Belmont was going to let me bring a group of students out to them. So yeah, yeah. Um, I started to um, play with this idea if art could be that same space where we become equals. And instead of simply serving someone a meal, we're creating art, doing music, doing writing, things like that. And so I started by going out to Church Street Park across from the downtown public library, which is um, a place where a lot of people experiencing homelessness congregate because it's one of the few places where it's a free public space and they're not going to get arrested for trespassing. Um, and so I just started by, you know, having relationships there, having conversations, and I learned about um, the nonprofit Room in the Inn here in Nashville. And um, I reached out to them. I learned they had an art studio and some music instruments, and um, I pitched this community art day um, and saw 
asked if we could invite Belmont students to come in and to create art in both visual art, music, and creative writing um, with their homeless participants at Room in the Inn. And so we did that um, in 2012 before we were ever a nonprofit. Um, and what was really meaningful was not only did the Belmont students say um, through our evaluation reports how much they just didn't realize that um, you know, people experiencing homelessness were so much like them and they could connect and they had the same problems or the same love or shared interests. Um, but the people at Room in the End, the staff said that they kept asking when we were coming back um, because they were, they loved having an opportunity to really get to know people in a deeper way um, and really get to meet those social and emotional needs that are oftentimes, um, you know, secondary to trying to feed people and house people and do all these other really important things. But we recognize that art and community building could meet these deeper needs that they had. Um, and so through those events, I ended up getting an internship under um, the art therapist at Room in the Inn. And um, I started to get questions from people in the art room, like, how do I get my art in a coffee shop? Or people see me drawing on the street every day. How can I sell it to them without a cop coming up and stopping me? Because you have to have a street vendor's license in Nashville. Mm, right. And so we filed for 501c3 status in 20, well, it was 2013 when I was a junior in college. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, getting ready to be a senior in college. And um, we filed for 501c3 status. And it was with the goal of providing that missing marketplace piece for people who were extremely talented, um, but didn't know how to leverage their creative talent to earn income. And so right. people experiencing homelessness have a lot of barriers to traditional employment. Again, like I said about mental illness, physical disabilities, when they do access employment, a lot of times it's low wage employment. And so being able to leverage your creative talent and these skills that you already have and to cultivate them and then gain entrepreneurial skills as well to be able to sell that work in a marketplace um, was really the initial goal of when we filed for nonprofit status and what we've kind of been growing since 2014. Right, right. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Quick follow up on that. You... Sorry, my kid just ran in here. Um, so you mentioned stereotypes. Now, I've, I've heard this because we've interviewed a few homeless-based organizations that, that are supporting homeless populations. From your experience and your opinion, what are some of the reasons why these stereotypes in the homeless community have, have become a thing? Um, I think that stereotypes are a way of simplifying really complex and complicated issues. If one thing the artists in our collective have taught me is that all of them became homeless for different reasons. And it honestly right. took different solutions to help get them out of homelessness. And so I think a lot of times when the solutions seem too complicated, we really want to turn things into a moral issue, right? Like we say, it's in your fault, right? You deserve it. Since I can't fix it, I don't know how to get you out of it. We're just going to blame you. So I don't have to feel guilty about living in a system mm. where that didn't impact me and it did impact you, right? And so... I think another thing that ends up happening is stereotypes often tell a piece of the story, but they don't tell the full story. And I think that's something really important to keep in mind is a lot of times um, those little pieces will fuel um, our stereotypes and make us think that we have the full picture when in reality, and what our organization tries to do is help people through art really dive deeper into what it means to be unhoused or to experience homelessness and how, you know, we have artists in our collective who have college degrees who have gone to art school, who have raised families, and then through a series of really horrible circumstances, um, ended up on the streets. 
Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And um, naturally, the, the, the curious question is, um, how do we overcome some of those stereotypes? And in and, and your organization, it seems like that community building and, and bringing two people together to understand each other's stories is, is one obviously proven way to, to solve that. Um, have you, people that don't have the, the opportunity to, to have a, a community where they could interact with people that are homeless, is there anything else that you've heard maybe from the population that you're serving or from experiences of how to break these stereotypes in a way that doesn't involve the community aspect? Or is that kind of the, the most important, easiest way, tried and true way to, to, to start breaking those stereotypes? I mean, I definitely think it's twofold. I think one of the things that our artist collective does and honestly was unexpected because I did think the income earning piece was going to be the most important piece to our artists. But whenever we do, you know, feedback surveys and evaluation studies, one of the things that comes up is that um, homelessness is such an isolating experience. And oftentimes you have a lot of burnt bridges. You're not connected with family members. Um, and so one of the biggest things that our artists find is that they feel understood for the first time. They feel like they found a group of people who have not only experienced homelessness, but, you know, a lot of times people don't even understand artists who aren't homeless. You know, they have, they think differently and they approach the world differently. And a mm. lot of times our artists have felt judged within their families or society for, you know, seeing the world differently and wanting to imagine and think things could be different. And so I think that our artists, are able to feel seen and understood and have a sense of belonging in our collective with their peers and fellow artists. Um, but then also, you know, a lot of times the only ways that they interact with the community are when they're in survival mode. And so right. when customers and guests come into our studio space and they see our artists' talent and creativity, our artists recognize they do have something to offer. You know, they're not there to just take, but they actually can give back and they can contribute their gifts to the community. And um, I think that that's just really special for our artists to be able to, you know, find their identities and rebuild them again after experiencing homelessness for such a long time and the stereotypes that come along with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to start this conversation. Thanks for that background. Uh, so let's talk about the, the initial history and inception of Daybreak Arts. So first of all, why the name Daybreak Arts? <laughs> yeah, so we actually started um, in 2014 as poverty in the arts. And that was mm -hmm. the name of that community art day that I had talked about. Yeah. And so over the course of those years, I knew it wasn't the right name. Um, it had, you know, the word poverty was in it. And I really felt like that was emphasizing negative negativity. Um, also with the prepositions, people didn't know if we were in the arts, in the arts, of the arts, for the arts, we heard everything. So um, <laughs> I definitely knew. Um, and also I did not have a marketing or branding or business background at all. And so we didn't really have a refined logo, brand identity. Uh, we just had a good mission, you know, yeah, and yeah, uh, we yeah. were able really early on to get support just through that and not really yeah. knowing how to um, put together something more refined. And so um, when 2020 hit and the pandemic happened and we stopped all of our in-person exhibitions and we're really trying to adapt and modify our programming to still be there for artists, but obviously um, not have as many receptions or anything like that anymore. Um, we used that free time to kind of um, revisit that uh, 
our name and brand. And so we went through a rebranding process. And one of the really, really cool parts about that is we were actually able to dream alongside our artists. And since many of them have been in our collective since 2014, 15, 16, they've been with us through, you know, for almost a decade. And so they were able to help us come up with taglines and color palettes and um, how we wanted to be, you know, perceived from a fine art or a hip, you know, there's so many different even brand identities within the art world. And so um, we really got to dream together. Um, and through that process, we came up with Daybreak Arts. Um, we really liked the idea of, you know, Daybreak being a fresh new day. And this a lot of times being a new starting point for the artists who have come into our collective. Um, and then our logo was actually inspired by um, a son that was in an art piece by one of our artists, Kateri. And so we saw that art piece, thought it was perfect, incorporated into the logo and actually compensated her for her design inspiration. And so yeah. um, it was really cool. Um, I, obviously, everyone wishes they had it together and perfect at the beginning. Um, but since we didn't, it was really awesome to be able to do that alongside our artists as they are the most integral people to this whole process and organization. So, Yeah. Awesome. That is a fun history and inception story. So after you guys were founded uh, almost a decade ago, like you said, which is which is crazy, time flies. What were some of the programming that you did and events that you did uh, that, that turned out really well that you keep doing that are ongoing even now? Yeah, so um, our main program is the Artist Collective Program. And so that's where we onboard artists who are uh, unhoused or have experienced homelessness and are housing insecure. Um, so they're like in Section 8 housing or something like that. Um, and we partner with social service organizations all across Nas Nashville to help recruit. And um, they join our collective. And then from there, we have educational programming. So we have artists come and teach workshops, everything from color theory to photography to writing artist statements. Um, and then we also have, um, we go on field trips. So we have a partnership with the Frist Art Museum where we um, twice a year go there where they give us a free tour and art activity um, and things like that. And so we're really trying to expose our artists to different um, artistic mediums, entrepreneurship skills, things like that. Um, and then we have a studio and gallery space in East Nashville where they're able to come and create art. So we have it stocked with all kinds of studio art supplies, uh, fine art materials, um, and then we also, they can request materials as well for different projects they're working on. And then our marketplace, um, we both have online, which we definitely had to optimize during the pandemic and learn how to yes. <laughs> sell art commerce uh, field. Um, but um, our in-person exhibitions are one of the most impactful um, opportunities for not only our artists to showcase their work and have an opportunity to sell it, but to meet the community. So we really love inviting the community in to come in and we have um, artwork all over Nashville. We're at the Belcourt Theater. Um, we're at the Good Cup Coffee Shop. We're at Ugly Mugs Coffee Shop. Um, we're at Center 615 Coworking Space. And then we have different, um, partner with different gallery spaces around town. So like Gallery Tangerine, Downtown Presbyterian Church's Browsing Room, all kinds of different places um, that we're connecting with. And so our artists earn a percentage of all of the original artwork that sales. And so since 2014, we've actually paid out over $80,000 to artists experiencing homelessness here in Nashville. Um, they all are 1099 wow. contractors. So yeah. when they make $600, we're teaching them about saving their art supply receipts or bus passes to write off as business expenses. Yeah. Um, and so um, we're really excited to, you know, journey alongside over 100 artists and be able to 
um, through their creative talent, put our, our money right into their pockets to be able to, um, that helps support their housing, utilities. Sometimes it helps to buy a night out and to feel like you can eat dinner at a restaurant and feel like a normal person once in a while. So there's all kinds of these, not only, you know, immediate physical needs, but social and emotional needs, again, that our artists can use the income for. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to hear some stories of, of um, some of the artists that have come through and maybe even some of the artists that have been with you since the earlier days and, and kind of uh, positive story sharing and, and the impact of, of your organization, if, if you have any offhand to share. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite stories is one of our first artists, Kateri. And when I first met her, she was living in a tent um, at 64 years old, arthritis in both of her knees, really struggling. Um, and so um, she was one of the first few artists to join our collective, and I um, just really was able to build a good relationship with her. And um, one of the things she confided in me is that she hadn't talked to, um, she had an estranged relationship with her daughter, who she hadn't talked to in 30 years. Mm. Um, but then she hadn't talked to her mom in the last four years she had been homeless, basically out of shame and guilt. She didn't want her mom to know she was homeless. She felt like she was going to be too much of a burden. And so she kind of just cut off all contact with her mom mm. due to that situation. And so um, we had our very first art show um, with Kateri in July, 2014. And she sold two, I think two pieces of original artwork, which we were all really excited about. And so when I went to give her her payment the next day, um, or a couple days later, she said that she had been so overwhelmed that night, um, having not been treated as a homeless person, but as an artist, mm. that she had the confidence to call her mother that evening. Wow. And they were able to reconnect wow. for the first time in four years. Um, when she did that, she actually found out that her daughter had been trying to get a hold of her. So that led to her reconnecting to her estranged daughter. Wow. Who she hadn't been um, in contact with since um, for you know 30 years. And so at this point, her daughter now follows us on social media and is a fan <laughs> of her art. We've been able to help fundraise to fly her out to Colorado where her mom was from um, before she passed away. Um, and so it's just been really awesome um, to watch Kateri. And also at this point, um, Kateri went from living in a tent to being able to get Section 8 housing, where she has uh, been since 2015, which is really incredible. Um, and then in 2020, she was able to save her artwork payments as well as her stimulus check to purchase a van um, to get her around. So she had been really struggling using the bus system with her disabilities and stuff like that. And so now she not only can get places easier, but she can transport her own artwork and she can, you know, go to our own events on her own and not have to help worry, um, you know, coordinate transportation with us. And so it's been really, really awesome to just watch her independence um, kind of skyrocket. And a lot of, you know, what she needed at the beginning was just that confidence booster and really the space to reframe who she was and what she believed she could do with herself. So. Wow. Wow. So I, that's an amazing story. I got goosebumps when you were talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I am absolutely not artistic by any means, um, but I, I think I could comprehend some of the positive traits and characteristics and, and, and power that art could have on you as a form of expression, as a form of connecting with people. Um, what are some of those characteristics that you've seen or kind of social emotional impacts or um, you said confidence you, you touched on as well, but what are some of the other aspects of, of impact that art could have on the lives of the artists and also in terms of connecting with people? 
Yeah, absolutely. So another really great story that this reminds me of is um, one of our artists who was staying at the rescue mission. And he says that he was just getting so triggered and angry by the space and the environment and the people there. And he says that um, he came to the studio that day and was able to just start throwing paint on a canvas to get his anger <laughs> out. And he confided that he really thought he would have ended up in jail that wow. day because he would have committed violence or hit someone. And instead, he had a safe place to escape to outside of that environment and get his anger out in a healthy way. Um, we've also had artists um, who have really struggled with addiction for a really long time. And when you're experiencing homelessness, honestly, addiction is one of the quickest ways to escape the harsh reality that you have to experience. And so um, we've watched artists and, and addiction is you know, not going to be solved by art. It is such a complicated, again, physiological um, health issue. But um, we've, we've seen artists really start to use art as a coping mechanism for when they want to go use instead they come to the studio and they try yeah. to help themselves wow. um, express themselves through art um we have one artist who um, actually came out of um with sex trafficking and so she talks a lot about um just feeling so objectified constantly mm -hmm. and growing up um she was told that her mind was dangerous and her thoughts were you know impure and immoral and so when she started creating visual art for the very first time and started having people go, oh, that's beautiful. What you're creating, what's in your mind and coming out of you is actually um, special and unique and beautiful. She said that was transformative and helping her, um, you know, not feel objectified and like the you know person, but she could create something that could come out of her that could be seen and loved and um, cherished. And so um, it's just, you know, there are, Every one of our artists has a very different story on how art um, has, you know, been a part of their entire life, whether that was growing up doing art with their mom or a grandmother, um, but also how it's transforming their art as they're experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity and how powerful and important that is to be able to access and create when you're in survival mode. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm excited to, to hear what's coming next, Nicole. So what are the kind of future plans of Daybreak Arts? Do you have anything up and coming or uh, plans for the next three to five years? I'd love to hear the vision of the future. Yeah, absolutely. So the most immediate thing that's next is the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest um, things that we do every holiday is actually release um, holiday cards designed by our artists. And so uh, we have um, best-selling designs that come out year after year. And then we also have new, fresh designs. Um, so our artists are actually working on that this month, which is exciting. Um, but we'll be um, launching those this holiday season. And we sell them individually, but we also have bulk pricing as well. So if you have um, corporate cards or church cards, or you just personally send out a bunch of cards, we can customize them with company logos, individualized messages, all kinds of stuff like that. And our artists earn a percentage of the sales and the remaining helps um, goes directly into daybreak to continue to provide the program supplies and all of that for our artists. Um, and then um, spring of 2024, we don't have a date officially yet, but we have our annual Illuminate Art Gala. And so this will be our 10th annual Illuminate Art Gala. And um, it is our annual fundraising event that generates anywhere between 10 to 15% of our entire annual budget. So it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, but it is also a premier opportunity for our artists to exhibit their work. So they all have their own booth and they're able to showcase their work to the community 
and sell it. And so last year, um, last March, we actually sold $15,000 of original artwork in one night. And so wow. we're hoping to meet and hopefully succeed that again this spring. Um, but it's an incredible um, event and opportunity to really see our mission in action, to meet all of our artists, to get dressed up, have a fancy night out, um, cocktails, hors d'oeuvres, jazz band, all of that fun stuff. Um, and then, you know, in the next three to five years, one of the things we're currently working on is a space. So um, mm. if you know anything about Nashville, you know that it is the housing and whole, uh, you know, commercial and residential market is exploding. And so we are currently renting and we've been really, really fortunate enough to have a really good deal with our landlord. And we've been locked into a really low um, rental rate, which does the trick for us right now. But um, we are renting and we're also expanding our collective. We have more and more artists coming in every year. And so we really want to be able to have enough space. And since space is the one thing our artists do not have since they're homeless and housing insecure, <laughs> yeah. that's the one thing we want to be able to guarantee for them. And so while we have a bunch of contingency plans on what were to happen if we were to lose this space, um, our executive committee is long-term looking for how we find the right relationships and the financing and capital campaigns and all the things that we would need to do in order for the next three to five years to hopefully own a space. Um, and with that, we would hopefully love to provide some type of artist housing um, to do something like a one-year artist residency program or something like that for the artists who are actively um, homeless. So we have a lot of big dreams yeah. um, and a lot of ways for people to get involved if they're interested in the long-term planning aspect, strategic planning and um, real estate planning and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my next question. People that are listening that are that are interested and, and inspired and want to get engaged, how can they get engaged and what type of engagement are you looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to get in engaged is to purchase artwork or reproductions by our artists. It puts money directly into their pockets and it also... Um, helps generate revenue for the organization to keep providing the programming. Um, we have original arts, we have prints, we have greeting cards. You can shop all of that online. Um, you can also visit us at an exhibition around town um, or see our work in person, which is always um, another really good opportunity. Um, if you don't see any original artwork that you like or prints you like at the time, another thing that you can do is make a donation. Donations really help um, supplement our revenue to keep providing those vital resources to our artists. Um, a lot of times to be an artist and entrepreneur, you have to, um, to be able to risk and to experiment and to grow and to fail. Um, a lot of times, you know, that's a privilege to be able to do that. And so donations and being able to get grant funding and um, our community support to help provide that security net for our artists to experiment and grow and find their artistic voice and to create a bunch of different art that may not sell, um, but just was, you know, emotionally impactful um, is really what we um, use donations for. Um, we also um, have a lot of different ways that we um, help our artists earn revenue. So um, our artists will do teaching. So we have teaching artist stipends where if you have a corp, uh, need to do a team building up activity for a corporation or a nonprofit or something like that, you can hire one of our artists to come in and lead a uh, art workshop. Yeah. And um, we also do um, intellectual property licenses. So maybe you don't want to buy bulk cards, but you want to license an image to purchase your own cards. We've had people do that in the past in the holiday season. We've also had people license um, 12 images to make a calendar one year. So um, people are really creative on figuring out ways that um, they can support our artists with what they you know want and helps their companies or personal needs. Um, 
And then we also even have live painting. So people will, um, you know, hire our artists to do live painting at different nonprofit fundraisers or different events and things like that. And so um, those are some of the other really cool ways. We do have a few volunteer opportunities. Um, I will say after the pandemic, we've really been trying to find ourselves on how to really utilize volunteers. Um, however, we are really looking for volunteers if you want to serve on our annual event, the gala committee. We're in the planning process now. So we're really looking for volunteers to either help us plan it or um, to show up during the event um, in the spring and to help us during that event. Um, and then if you're ever interested in teaching a workshop, whether that's an artistic skill or an entrepreneurial skill, um, that's not necessarily a volunteer opportunity. That's a paid opportunity, but we would love yeah. um, for you to reach out and to try to, you know, craft a workshop that might be valuable for our artists that um, we could provide for them. Um, so yeah, there's um, lots of different yeah, ways. Yeah, there's a ton of ways to get involved. So people listening, if any of those are speaking to you, please get engaged and reach out to Nicole. Well, I think we covered everything. The history, the current state, future plans, your background, the organization mission overview. Is there anything that we missed or anything you want to leave us with before we wrap up this episode? Um, <laughs> we covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah, just, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we covered a lot. Great. So um, th th this is amazing. The work that you're doing supporting and, and remember, like this is all supporting people that are housing insecure, homeless and, and providing a lot of the resources, the trainings, just a platform to get their artwork out to the public um, and opportunities for, for additional resources and, um, and income. So, Nicole, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And all the links to your social media and website are in the show notes. So people uh, click, reach out and get involved. <laughs> awesome thank you so much yes thank you today. so much thanks Nicole thanks for listening to greater than zero percent to find more episodes or to have your organization featured on the podcast you can find us at gtzp.org on your preferred streaming or social media platforms find your cause with greater than zero percent